0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. And then his Lord summoned him and said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, His Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So, my Heavenly Father, will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. This week we have the second installment, if you like, about the right and the right, R-I-T-E, of reconciliation, the right of confession, and our obligation as Christians to forgive. That obligation is something that perhaps the mid-century Christian author C.S. Lewis might have called it a severe mercy. And that's so encapsulated in today's gospel reading, is it not, the severity of Jesus' teaching and that parable about the slave who was forgiven and then yet refused to forgive one of his fellow slaves and the enormous trouble that bought him. Forgiveness is perhaps one of the hardest tasks that all of us have placed in front of us in this life. And yet, Jesus teaches about it so firmly, so clearly, that we are given the notion, and I think quite rightly, should understand that forgiveness is one of the linchpins of learning what it is like. To walk with our God. To illustrate this, the architects of the lectionary take us very back, all the way back, excuse me, to the foundations of our tradition in today's reading from Genesis. And we hear close to the end of the cycle of stories about Joseph and his brothers, all of them were the namesake for the 12 tribes of Israel, and their father was the great patriarch, Jacob. At this point in the story, for those of you who don't know it, Joseph has rescued his family from certain death in a time of famine. But Joseph and his brothers remember the deep conflict and the deep enmity that was between them, from when they were very young. At the beginning of the story, if you remember, Joseph is left for dead by his brothers, primarily out of jealousy. Joseph, you could say, doesn't help himself very much because he, although being the youngest among them, dreams of being superior to them. And then he makes the mistake of sharing that dream with his brothers. And they are so incensed they almost kill him, but because of timely intervention by one of them, Reuben, at the very end, they instead leave him in a pit and then dip his coat that his father gave him into blood and take it back to their father and say he's dead. Joseph is then sold into slavery in Egypt. But through a number of graces that God brings upon him, he ends up gaining the Pharaoh's favor and soon becomes the most powerful man in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. And in that time, he helps Egypt and all the lands around them prepare for a great famine that Pharaoh has seen in a dream and Joseph has correctly interpreted As his brothers come back to Egypt seeking help in the time of famine, they encounter Joseph, although they don't recognize him at first, and so there's a lot of play back and forth. Joseph even tricks them a couple of times, and then he finally reveals himself to them. They're terrified then, but they are even more terrified in today's story because now Jacob, their father has died. And in the ancient customs, with the death of the patriarch, all debts now come due. And so they expect rightfully in the customs of their people that Joseph is now in a position to take his revenge at long last upon them. And so they make up a story They make up a story that one of Jacob's last instructions to them was for Joseph to forgive them. Joseph, of course, doesn't buy it for a New York minute. But instead, he does something remarkable and outside the honor-shame culture that he and his brothers have inherited. He forgives them. He erases the debt, and he tells them, I do this because this belongs to God, and who am I to set myself in God's place over you? This story that begins to undo the ways that we all tend to keep score in our lives is one that is taken up as well by Paul in his writings to one of the small communities he helped found in today's epistle reading. And Paul in some of the wisest writing he ever puts to paper and some of the most pastoral writing talks about the need in Christian community for this small band of disparate brothers and sisters who have laid claim to Christ to learn to tolerate one another's differences, to learn to live with diversity and difference of opinion, to tolerate and, yes, forgive one another in those places where offense will probably be given, if not deliberately by accident, and where it is easy to take offense. Paul too knows that forgiveness is key to holding this little band together around Christ. And Matthew, writing a few decades later, brings Peter the representative of the church, to Jesus to ask this fundamental question, how many times do I have to forgive my sister or brother in Christ? And using a figure of speech, Jesus says not seven times, but seven times seven, or 77 times even, Jesus says, you must always forgive. Because Jesus tells Peter and tells us so many centuries later, without forgiveness, the Christian project is dead. It's a radical teaching. Because even as late as towards the end of the first century, people were still keeping score and thought they were justified under the law in keeping score. And you don't have to cut us very deep 20 centuries later to know that we keep score too, and we hold resentments and grudges. Jesus reminds us that we forgive not just to hold the community together, but we forgive as a spiritual discipline for ourselves because our hearts can only hold so much as mortal as they are. And when we keep score, we build up resentments over time and we run the risk of becoming bitter in the debts that we hold due from others. Our Buddhist sisters and brothers help us with some of their teachings One of my favorite teachings, which I believe comes out of Zen, is that resentment, that is, holding a grudge, is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. What we share in common is the recognition that our resentments and the debts that we lord over others slowly can poison us let alone poison the relationships between us, let alone poison the community of God's people. But above all else, Jesus reminds us that the discipline of forgiveness is essential, not simply to save Christian community and our hearts from the poison of resentment, But simply because we were forgiven first by our God. The God we say who loves us and the God who forgives us even before we have asked for that forgiveness.